and welcome back to Global Value. In today's video, we're going to be taking a look at the Union Pacific Corporation, ticker symbol UNP, and be performing a fundamental stock analysis. At the time of recording this video, Union Pacific is trading for $215 per share. Year to date, their stock price is down about 15%. Going back over the past year, they're down about 2%. Going back three years, the stock price is up 8% compounded annually rebounding quite a bit from their sharp decline during COVID. Over the past 10 years, the business has returned about 13.5% compounded annually. And since 2005, the business has returned 16% compounded annually. So doing quite well, even throughout the global financial crisis and the pandemic. Keep in mind that these returns are not including the dividends that Union Pacific pays out as well. Union Pacific has seen a drawback from their 52-week high. They're closer to their 52-week low now, but they've traded between $280 and $195 so far over the past 52 weeks. The business is a large business. They have a market cap of $135 billion. <clears throat> so for, for some background about the business, Omaha, Nebraska-based Union Pacific is the largest public railroad in North America. Operating on more than 30,000 miles of track in the western two-thirds of the United States, Union Pacific generates revenue by hauling coal, industrial products, intermodal containers, agricultural goods, chemicals, and automotive goods. Union Pacific owns about one-fourth of the Mexican railroad Ferromex and derives about 10% of its revenues overall by hauling freight to and from Mexico. The business has played a huge role in American history, and the company was founded in 1862 and, as mentioned, is headquartered in Omaha, Nebraska. We'll be performing an eight-pillar analysis as popularized by Everything Money, taking a look at eight key financial metrics to come to a holistic and beginning fundamental understanding of the business. So let's get into it. Starting off with pillar number one, we want the business's average five-year PE to be below 22 and a half. Currently, they're trading at about 20 and a half times earnings, and over this time period, they've traded at just about 20 times earnings. So that's going to be a check to start off on pillar number one. Pillar number two, we want their average five-year return on capital to be above 9%. Over the course of decades, the return that you're going to get on a stock is going to be approximately what its underlying business is able to return, and these business returns are going to be captured by return on capital. Union Pacific's returns on capital are very stable and pretty steady. The business is regulated by the government, so we're not seeing these really minuscule returns on capital, and we're not seeing extreme returns on capital either, given Union Pacific's more or less uh, duopoly status. Very stable, very steady. They earn about 15% return on capital over these five years. That's another check on pillar number two. Pillar number three, we're looking for five-year revenue growth. Union Pacific has grown revenues just a smidge over this time period. It's marginal revenue growth at best, but it's going to be another check on pillar number three. Pillar number four, we're looking for five-year net income growth. It looks like they had an atypical year in 2017, so pillar number four is going to be an X. Last year, they produced about $6.5 billion of net income. Pillar number five, we want to see decreasing shares outstanding. When you purchase a share of stock, what you're really buying is a fractional ownership percentage in the underlying business. When a business dilutes existing shareholders by issuing new shares, they're decreasing those shareholders' ownership percentage of the business and decreasing the percentage of the business's profits that the shareholder is entitled to. Many investors don't look at this, but this can really be a silent killer for investors overall. When the opposite happens and a business decreases their shares outstanding by buying back shares, 
it actually increases your ownership percentage in the business and increases the amount of the business's profits that you're entitled to without you having to pay a dime. So that's what we're looking for here. Union Pacific has bought back about 145 million shares over this time period, reducing their shares outstanding from 801 million in 2017 down to 655 million in 2021. That's about 18% of their shares outstanding. So if you're an existing shareholder over this time period, you now own about 18% more of the business than what your shares originally entitled you to. So that's a great sign to see here. And that's a check on pillar number five. Pillar number six, we're looking for five-year free cash flow growth. Free cash flow is cash from operations minus capital expenditures. It's this column in green. Free cash flow is the lifeblood of any business and can be used to buy back shares, pay dividends, pay down debt, make acquisitions, or reinvest back into the business. A business's abilities to produce free cash flows is ultimately how that business is going to be valued. So Union Pacific has grown free cash flows from about $4 billion in 2017 to about $6 billion in 2021. So that's another great sign. That's a check on pillar number six. Throughout this time period, they've been able to decrease their capital expenditures and increase their cash from operations. And in an average year over this time period, they're producing about $5.2 billion of free cash flow. We'll be using that to evaluate how the business utilizes leverage and then how the business's market cap compares to its free cash flow profile. Pillar number seven, we want Union Pacific's net debt, which is their long and short-term liabilities minus cash and short-term cash equivalents to be below their average five-year free cash flow multiplied by five. Union Pacific has about $30.5 billion of net debt. When we multiply their average five-year free cash flow of $5.2 billion times five, that brings us to $26 billion. So while the business is more highly levered than what we'd want on an average business, Union Pacific employs a lot of assets in their business and they're operating in a regulated duopoly. So while this is more debt than we'd like to see, and it's going to be an X on pillar number seven, this really doesn't concern me as the business has these fixed assets that aren't going to go away anytime soon, and they're trying to get the most out of them. So that's going to be an X on pillar number seven. Finally, the big pillar of them all, pillar number eight, we want Union Pacific's market cap to be below their average five-year free cash flow multiplied by 20. This is going to give us a beginning valuation of what's reasonable to pay for the business. So Union Pacific has a $131 billion market cap. When we multiply their average five-year free cash flow of $5.2 billion times 20, that only brings us to $104 billion. So that is going to be an X on pillar number eight. Just because that's an X doesn't mean that you're automatically going to write this one off. This type of analysis is a fundamental starting point. It's not the deep dive that's required to make an investment decision, and it's not any sort of financial advice. Really, to really be able to make the decision to invest into a business, you want to, you have to be able to know it inside and out like you own 100% of the business. Lastly, Union Pacific is known as a dividend growth stock, so we're going to be taking a look at its dividend profile. Union Pacific currently has a 2.5% dividend yield, and many investors make mistakes by blindly chasing dividend yield. Instead, we have to stop and pause and understand if the business's dividends are healthy and supported by the overall free cash flow. Looking at this dividend profile, the business has grown both dividends and free cash flows per share in all five years. They're paying less than half of their free cash flow per share out as dividends. So those are both great signs there. 
It looks like Union Pacific may have a long runway ahead of them to continue increasing their dividends over time. Their dividend profile looks like it is in great shape here. So in summary, Union Pacific checks the box on five out of eight pillars. It looks like it is a great, stable, and steadily growing business that's been returning capital to shareholders by increasing their dividends and buying back shares. The business has also been able to grow revenues and free cash flows while maintaining above average returns on capital. However, the business's current market cap looks like it's off from its ability to produce free cash flows. Union Pacific would definitely qualify as a great business. Warren Buffett in his most recent shareholder letter for Berkshire Hathaway stated that its main competitor, BNSF, Burlington Northern Santa Fe Railroad, which is owned by Berkshire, is going to be a great American asset that's going to be incredibly important for America even 100 years from now. And there is no reason to believe that he wouldn't have said the same thing about Union Pacific, given that they are more or less neck and neck competitors. Again, this type of analysis is a starting point about whether it's worth your while to learn more about the company and do further due diligence. If you want to learn more about Union Pacific, I highly recommend checking out the business's filings, diving into a 10K and reading through their annual reports. That's it for today's fundamental stock analysis of Union Pacific Corporation, ticker symbol UNP. If you enjoyed the video, please be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel for more stock analysis videos, and comment down below what business you want me to take a look at next time. Thanks for learning about Union Pacific with me, and have a great day.